Thank you, Karen. And thank you for the opportunity to be with you this morning and to share in this series. Now, you've been on a journey, haven't you? Yeah. The journey has taken you through John's Gospel and you've been looking at conversations that Jesus had with individuals. The first one was Nicodemus who came to Jesus by night and that's recorded in, in John chapter 3. And then the next one was a conversation that took place the day following the feeding of the 5,000. And Jesus spoke with the crowd and he said to them, ah, you're only here today because you want more grub. You want more of what you had yesterday. And then he explained to them that he is the bread of life. And if anybody would eat of him, he would never hunger again. And then last week, um, the conversation that took place last week was when the Greeks came to Philip and said to Philip, Sir, we want to see Jesus. And Philip went to Andrew and both of them went to Jesus. And Jesus turns around and he says, My time has come. It's, it's now time. All through John's Gospel, time is important. Jesus says a number of, on a number of occasions, ah, the time is not yet. It's not yet. But whenever the Greeks come, and Jesus is going to be acknowledged as the Savior of the world. He turns around and he says, now is the time. And so this morning, as Karen rightly said at the start of the service, this is Palm Sunday. We remember that this is the, the beginning of Holy Week. This is the, the build-up to Friday, to the crucifixion of Jesus. And then we move on through Holy Saturday to Resurrection Day. And what a day that is whenever we proclaim that Jesus Christ has defeated death and he is alive. Today, we're going to look at the conversation, as Graham read to us, between uh, Jesus and Pilate. Now, there, there's actually a couple of conversations here, and I'm going to show that to you, and I hope you'll be able to grasp this this morning. There's a conversation that Jesus has with Pilate, and then there's the conversations that Pilate has with the Jewish leaders. So think about it like this. This morning we're going to look at Pilate's conversation with Jesus and then Pilate's conversation about Jesus. And that there's an important distinction there because of the way that John has written this. Pontius Pilate. What do we know about Pontius Pilate? Well, I would say that most of us know his name from the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. But who was Pilate? Pilate was a Roman prefect. Now the Romans put prefects in different parts of the empire where there was trouble. Where there was likely to be 
uprisings. And we know that whenever the Romans came into the Holy Land, there were zealots that rose up against them. And so the Romans sent prefects into the Holy Land to do two things. To enforce Roman law and to make sure that people paid their taxes. And those were the two things that Pilate had to do. Enforce Roman law and ensure that taxes were collected. Now, when he was appointed as prefect, he was coming into Jerusalem with an iron fist, a heavy hand, and he was going to make sure that the people would not rise up against him. So, on the day that Pilate was appointed and he came to Jerusalem, he came to bring in Caesar worship and there were banners, there were flags with Caesar's um, image on them and he was going to enforce Caesar worship. Now the thing about the Romans, and this is important, but the thing about the Romans was that whenever they conquered a country, you could have whatever religion you wanted. You could carry on with your religion, but once a year, you had to bow the knee and you had to say, Caesar is Lord. Now, straight away, he's going to run into trouble with the Jews. If he's going to enforce that, he's asking the Jews to break the first commandment. You'll have no other gods before me. I am the Lord, your God. You will not have any gods before me. So there was difficulty there. He had his soldiers march into Jerusalem with these big statues that he put up of Caesar. And he wanted to show the Jews that under his leadership, their religious laws would come second to the Roman law. And the Jews were angry. He had a, a summer palace down in, in Caesarea. And what happened was the Jews all marched from Jerusalem six miles down the road to Caesarea and they had a big protest outside his house. Now we can identify with all of that, can't we? It's like marching to the city hall and everybody gathering at the city hall and, and you can imagine what, what the atmosphere was like there and they were absolutely furious about this enforcing Caesar worship. So the man who was going to rule with an iron fist turned to his soldiers and he told his soldiers to attack them. And the gates were opened and the soldiers came out and he was expecting all the people to scatter. But what they did was they knelt down. And that caused him a real problem. <clears throat> you see, the problem was he didn't want to be known as the prefect in the Roman Empire that killed women and children who were defenseless. 
don't want to make too many comparisons to what's going on in our world today, but we've all seen on our television screens that women and children have been greatly affected by the situation in Ukraine. So what happened next was he called a meeting with the Jewish leaders and he entered into a pact with them. You get on and do your thing and I'll do the thing that I'm sent here to do. We'll have an ordinary acquaintance with each other and we will just work side by side. That's all right until five years later this man called Jesus comes along and he starts teaching and preaching about the kingdom of God and he starts to perform miracles and then he goes and he raises Lazarus from the dead and, and everybody's astir and everybody's wondering what in the world is going on here and during his three years of ministry Jesus exposes the hypocrisy of the Jewish leaders and it puts them on collision course with them. They organize um, a kangaroo court when he enters into Jerusalem on Holy Week. He's teaching in the temple. They don't like it. He confronts them practically every day. And they, they arrange to have him arrested in Gethsemane. They organize their own little kangaroo court. And they try him for blasphemy. And false witnesses give evidence on trumped up charges. The Sanhedrin, the ruling authority of the Jews, proclaim that he is guilty, but they've got a problem. And the problem is that under Roman law, they're not allowed to put anybody to death. They're not allowed to kill anybody. And so, so now these Jewish leaders need Pilate. They haven't been willing to accept his authority up until now, but now they need him to put Jesus to death. Now John's Gospel is absolutely fascinating in the way that John has written this account of what happened when Jesus appeared before Pilate. You see, the scene is played out on two stages. The public stage where he talks about Jesus and the private stage where he takes Jesus away from the crowd and he takes him inside into the inner court and he talks with Jesus. He talks face to face with Jesus. Now the first involvement of Pilate in this story happens in public and we're going to look at, at verses 28 to 32 all right so if you remember this is outside jewish leaders took jesus from caiaphas to the palace of the roman governor by now it was early morning and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness they did not enter the palace because they wanted to be able to eat the passover so pilate came out to them and asked what charges are you bringing against this man? 
If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said, you take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. <clears throat> and here's where they turn around and they say, but we've got no right to execute anyone. And they objected. This took place to fulfill what Jesus said about the kind of death that he was going to die. Now here's Pilate sitting in his palace and all of a sudden this guy's brought before him. The Jews want him put to death and he says publicly, now listen to this, I don't want anything to do with him. You take him. He's, he's one of yours. You, you judge him according to your own law. This has got nothing to do with me. And they say, we want him crucified and for that, we need you to rubber stamp it. We need you to put the approval on this. And here's where they need his authority. And isn't it amazing how the Jewish leaders would stand up for something and stand against the authority of Rome. But when it came to Jesus, they were willing to submit to the authority of Rome. This is the first time in eight years now since he was made prefect that Pilate's got to say in anything. And here's what he says. I don't want anything to do with this. This is not my responsibility. This is yours. The next interaction happens on the private stage. Pilate brings Jesus into the palace. Verse 33. Pilate went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus looks at him and he says, Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk about uh, talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate replied, Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it that you have done? And Jesus said, My kingdom's not of this one. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another you are a king then said Pilate Jesus answered you say that I'm a king in fact the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth everyone on the side of truth listens to me what is truth Pilate retorted <coughs> this is a private meeting with Jesus and he's got a lot of big questions first one are you a king and Jesus says I'm not a king like earthly kings if I was a king like an earthly king there would have been a riot in Gethsemane my, my <coughs> men would have stood up and they would have fought for me but my kingdom is not of this world I'm not here to wield power and authority over anybody. <laughs> he submitted. 
himself to the Jewish authorities without resistance. In fact, he made restitution when Peter tried to stand up for him in the garden of <coughs> Then he made the most transparent statement of who he was and what his mission was. You get this. All through John, his mission has been kept a secret. And as I said earlier, time is important. In John 2, at the wedding of, uh, in Cana of Galilee, his, his mother came and, and she said to him, you know, they've, they've run out of wine here. And he turns around here and he says to her, it's not the right time. And she does what any Jewish mother does, totally ignores him. And tells him to get on with it and get the job done. And then in chapter 7, going to Jerusalem, it's not the right time for me to go now. The Jews tried to arrest him and he said, my time has not yet come. In chapter 8, not arrested in the temple courts, he walks through them when they tried to arrest him because his time was not yet. John chapter 9, in, verse, in chapter 12, in chapter 13, all of these occasions, Jesus says it's not the right time. But now it is. And now Jesus is going to reveal his true identity. I'm a king, but my kingdom's not of this world. For this purpose I was born, to bring truth into this world. And here's Pilate's biggest question. So what is truth? And we're left hanging there in this private conversation. What is truth? The truth is that the truth is standing before him. Because John already has told us right at the very beginning of the book that Jesus was full of grace and truth. And so the truth is standing right before him. And Pilate can't even see it. What is truth? We'll read on. Uh, verse 38, what is truth? Retorted Pilate. With this he went out again. So here he is. He's, he's got a lot of questions. He hasn't got too many answers from Jesus. He knows that Jesus is the king. And so with this he went out again to the Jews gathered there and he said, I find no basis for a charge against him. But it's your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? And they shouted back, no, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now Barabbas had been taking part in an uprising. Here he is. He doesn't want Jesus on his hands. And so he says again in public, I don't find any fault in this guy. You deal with this. It's your responsibility. He's not guilty of any crime. And that's Pilate's whole judgment. He's not guilty. But they have this tradition that it feast of the Passover, a prisoner is going to be released. I'll, I'll release him to you. I'll, I'll put this wee clause in that this is because of the feast of the Passover and you can have Jesus released. And he said, no, we don't want him. We want 
Barabbas. Now we don't know too much about him. He's a robber. He's a social outcast. He's one of the dregs of society. And that's about the best we can say about this guy. He arrives on the pages of the scripture on the mouths of the Jewish leaders. We won Barabbas. And he's never mentioned again. How in the world could anybody choose Barabbas instead of Jesus? Now, before I came into the ministry, I was a school teacher, I was a physical education teacher. And in my first school, we were coming up to Easter and we were going to have an Easter assembly. And students from Queen's University came to take the assembly for us just before we broke up for Easter. And so they're acting out this bit of the story of the death and resurrection of Jesus on our school stage. There's about 320 pupils all sitting. And the students who came from um, Queens, there was about 15 or so of them. There were only about five of them on the stage and there were 10 of them that just put themselves strategically placed with the kids. And they were, before the thing started, they were just, how about you, what are you doing? And all this, and they were, they were making friends with them. Well, you see, it came to this part, who do you want me to release to you? Jesus or Barabbas? And there was a, a deadly silence just came out into the assembly hall. And the guy beside me jumped up on his feet and he shouted, Barabbas! We want Barabbas! It scared the life out of me, never mind the kids that were around me. And, and then another one jumped up and, and he grabbed a couple of kids and pulled them on their feet and they started to shout and then there was others and they all joined in and you see within the space of about 30 seconds there were 320 plus people in that assembly hall all crying give us Barabbas we don't want Jesus give us Barabbas that is the power of the crowd and the Jewish leaders stirred up the crowd and the crowd all said give us Barabbas now Pilate is absolutely furious he thought he, he had it all sussed you know he's in private here with Jesus what is truth I'm the king he's, he's trying to work all this out in his mind but he's, he's saying to himself this man's guilty of nothing so he goes outside and these guys turn around and they say, we want Barabbas. And he is absolutely furious. So what do you do whenever you're furious? Well, let's look at John 19, verses 1 to 3. And here's what it says. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again, saying, Heal king of the Jews. And they slapped him <coughs> in the face. Now, in private, Pilate is absolutely furious. So what do you do? You take your anger out on somebody that's innocent. Now, we would never do that, would we? 
You know, if, if a crowd, if a crowd was was making us upset, we would never walk into the house and say to you, loved one, in fact, we do that quite a lot. We take it out on people that have got nothing to do with the situation. I'm guilty of that. And he takes his anger out in Jesus. And it's all done privately. And then the soldiers, they join in. Crown of thorns, the robe, the punching him with their fists. Then he goes back outside. John 19, verses 4 through to verse 8. Once more Pilate came out and said to the Jews gathered there, Look, I'm bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. I'm telling you, there's nothing wrong with this guy. He's done absolutely nothing wrong. When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said, Here's the man. Behold the man, as the King James Version says. And as soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him, they shouted, Crucify! Crucify! But Pilate answered, You take him! And you crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. And the Jewish leaders insisted, we have a law. And according to that law, he must die because he claimed to be the son of God. So Pilate says, I punished him, not guilty. Crouch him out, crucify him. Pilate said, you crucify him because I don't see any reason why I should crucify him. And this is where the Jews pulled out a trump card and they played it. He said he was the son of God. Now, there's a real problem for Pilate because the first Julius Caesar had turned around the first emperor ever to call himself a god. And every Caesar after Julius Caesar was known as a son of God. And the Jews are saying to Pilate, he's making himself to be like Caesar. And Pilate's caught in a real mess, and he's more frightened than ever. Let's read from verse 8 through to verse 11. When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid, and then he went back inside the palace. Where did you come from? He asked Jesus, but Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me, Pilate said? Don't you realize that I have power either to free you or to crucify you? And Jesus answered, You would have no power over me if it were not given you from above. Therefore the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. And look what verse 12 says. From then on Pilate tried to set Jesus free. 
Where do you come from? No answer. Do you not realize who I am? Do you not realize the authority I have? I can have you put to death right now. Do you not realize that? Do you not realize that I could open up the doors and just set you free? And Jesus turns around to him. Pilate, you've no authority at all over me unless it's been given to you by my Father in heaven. And when he heard that, he wanted to release him. Verse 12. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free. But the Jewish leaders kept shouting, if this man, if you let this man go, you're no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. And when Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out and sat on the judge's seat at a place known as the Stone Pavement, which in Aramaic is Gabbatha. It was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about then. Here's your king, Pilate said to the Jews. But they shouted, take him away. Take him away. Crucify him. <coughs> Shall I crucify your king, Pilate asked. Now listen to this. We have no king but Caesar. The chief priest answered. And finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. Each of us lives our life on two stages. There's the prayer stage and there's the public stage, what everybody else sees. Pilate had some really big questions in private. Who are you? Are you a king? What is truth? He kept pushing the buttons. He wanted to know the answers. And in his private conversations with Jesus, he was convinced that Jesus was who he said he was. He wanted him off his hands. But he gave in on the public stage because of the pressure of the crowd. Now the implications for this are multiple for us. You see, we can believe in here, Jesus is my Savior. He's my Lord. I know my sins are forgiven. I know that I should be doing the right thing. <coughs> but you see, as soon as you step out of the private stage and you step onto the public stage of life, you come under all kinds of pressure. And the crowd has power when it comes together. One of the things that I was involved in um, whenever, whenever I was a teacher was a thing called Youthways. It was for young people who 
who were really educational figures and they were put on a government scheme and, and our responsibility was to give them life skills and also to place them in employment for short periods of time and to be mentors to them to help them. To, there were a group of um, 24 of them and there were three tutors that looked after them and we went away for a week to Ballycastle just so that we would gel together and on the first night we, um, we used the group technique with them. <coughs> Basically that is, the leader of the group would say, okay, here are the rules. Rule number one, everybody in bed by half past 10, lights out 11 o'clock. Now, you're talking about 16, 17 year olds here, right? How many 16, 17 year olds go to bed at half past 10 and the lights are at 11 o'clock? And they're all sitting there because they're new to us. And they're all sitting there and they're going, yep, yep. No one full well that they're not going to do it. And, and one, of the, one of the leaders then would say, I'm not going to bed at half past ten. I don't go to bed at half past ten at home. Why should I go to bed at half past ten here? And everybody's looking at her. Oh, what did she say there? She, is she standing up against her? Oh. Well, we're, we're, uh, eventually we entered into a negotiation and the, the, the net result of that was they would be in bed by half past two and lights would be in by three o'clock. That was the net result of that. Now, you see over the year, as we employed that technique, they became more and more powerful. And they challenged every single thing that we tried to do for them. At some point, somebody had to stand up and say, I'm the boss and that's not happening. But Pilate succumbed and he gave in and Jesus Christ was crucified. How do we live for Jesus? On the public stage, do we take our stand? And do we say, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No matter what opposition I face, I am going to follow Jesus. Pilate says to the religious leaders in Matthew's Gospel 27-22 What will I do with Jesus who is called Christ? And that's the question that you and I have to live with every day. What are we going to do with Jesus who is called Christ? In private he's my saviour. He's my Lord. In public, He has to be our Savior. And He has to be our Lord. Old man used to say to me, What a man is, is what he is when he's on his own. 
but he needs to walk out the door and be the same man in front of the crowd as he is on his own. And folks, it can be really easy to say all kinds of things when we're with a group of people who believe the same things as us. But the real demand on a Christian witness is what are we saying when others are opposed to the way that we believe and the way that we behave. Conversation with Jesus. The conversation about Jesus. He's my Lord. And he's my Savior. In private. And in public. Father. Thank you for your word. We pray that the truth of, of this word this morning would embrace each one of our hearts and we would be the kind of people that you would want us to be, that we would be wholehearted and committed to Jesus Christ no matter what stage we are on 